0: a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. You
1: don't have to be another face in And we are live. Welcome, folks, to today's episode of the Survival Podcast. It's Wednesday. That means it's interview day. My special guest is Joel Valenzuela. And we're going to be talking about. A subject that is really important to me, guys, and that is digital uh, privacy when it comes to our finances and financial censorship and rampant inflation. Uh, Joel is is a great guy. I'm glad he joined us today. I was really happy when I saw his uh, guest application come in. Joel, can you start off and tell us just a little bit uh, about yourself before we even dive into the crypto stuff and financial censorship? Just like kind of what's your background and how did you end up in this world in the first place?
2: Yeah. The whole, where did you come from? Where did you go? Story. Yeah. So, uh I grew up in the North of Mexico. My parents were Silicon Valley yuppies and they decided to become cattle ranchers when I was about three years old. So I kind of was there from three to 16 and then out, you know, homeschooled the whole nine yards because, you know, wasn't really reliable schooling. And, then I kind of had a a short lived career in politics in like fundraising mostly, and at some point I was living in Phoenix and I wanted to, uh, I you know I wanted to get kind of get back in the mix in a more direct way. I heard about this thing called the Free State Project, and I was like, oh that's great, are they hiring? No, eh, oh never mind, and I just put it on the back burner but kept watching, and then over the course of time. I started seeing bigger and bigger things happening. And when one of their, one of the uh New Hampshire state representatives from not the good side of things uh started saying that these free staters, these people who moved to the state for this project uh were the biggest threat to the state. And we must take away their freedoms so that they'll all go away. I was like, no one's saying that about anyone pro Liberty anywhere. I need to be there now. So I just packed up my stuff and, and drove out and it was, in the course of that driving out, um, I stopped with a friend for pizza in Chicago and they paid me back for that bit in Bitcoin. And that was like 2013. That was like the start of that whole journey. And then since then I've been, you know, pretty consistently kind of on a mission to try to get off like government fiat currency and start using something that's not, which, you know, cryptocurrency represents the only viable alternative to that at this moment.
1: And you eventually ended up like pretty much living off crypto. How, how'd that come to be?
2: Yeah. So it comes from the, you know, maybe I'm just not, not very patient, but when I hear about (laughs) this, you know, I hear people talking about like, Oh, the gold standard and Ron Paul's talking about this and stuff. And the money's fake. And I'm, when you learn that, and I was like a, a teenager when I learned this stuff, I got, it was like, well, okay, well that sucks. So, now we just go back to our bank accounts. Like we go back to using it. Like what, what's the next step? And so I was looking for ways of like trying to find a gold backed debit card. Peter Schiff was offering something like that at the time. I was in the process of figuring that out when I heard about cryptocurrency. And so when I got some Bitcoin and later that year was using it more and it was between 2013 to 2015, you know, wherever I could, I would just like use it and you know, acquire some and spend some and which is was always much more possible and still is today in the state of New Hampshire because of the you know free state community uh but it was kind of like you know I was doing other things at the time and it wasn't until 2015 I started to get a sinking feeling of like I am telling a lot of people about this I'm telling people oh guess what this is cool it works great you can be your own bank all this stuff and I'm not sure if I know enough to believe it fully so If you Hmm. can live on this stuff, why don't I try? So at the end of 2015, I decided, you know, I'm just not going to let people pay me in fiat anymore. If they'll pay me in crypto, I'll do that. If not, I just won't get paid. And it was kind of, you know, kind of a little bit of a scary move. But pretty quickly, I found a couple of jobs that would pay me, most notably writing for Cointelegraph, which is now you know, a big crypto publication, and then a few other things. And it wasn't until about the middle of the next year that I closed my bank account because um, it was one of those things where someone forged a check in my name and just like they scribbled on a piece of paper and took all my money right before rent was due. I was like, huh. why did you just let them do that? Some random person in Florida, no offense, Florida, uh, that had, and I looked at the fake deposit slip and it just didn't look anything like even approximating a signature. And I was just like, what the hell is this? And then they just said, well, we need to close your bank account and reopen you another one for security purposes. I said, okay, that's fine. Just hold off on the reopening thing. I just like never reopened the account. <laughs> so that's kind of 2016 on until now.
1: Gotcha. And what would you say is different about it today as far as ease and feasibility than when you got started first in the crypto, then when you first made that shift? Because things are a lot different than they were from the dawn, and they're they're still way different from 2016, which is kind of where you went back to there.
2: Yeah, things are way, way, way easier today. Like especially in the last like six months to a year, it started to get like it started to snowball to where now it's it, people don't even have to really try too hard. Um, it, so back in the day, there was you had to hodgepodge together a few little. Specific services you had to use Bitcoin because anything else was just like play money, and anything else that you did use, started you had if you wanted to use it, it would be through a- an auto converter. Back when Shapeshift was mostly unregulated or whatever, you got to just pay with like let's say Litecoin, and then it would auto convert to Bitcoin at the other end, and you had to kind of do that. And now, if like one service doesn't work, there's like five others that don't that do. And it's like you're not so reliant on just like this little patchwork of things. And it's also that uh you can use a few different cryptos. Although uh the one that for me has worked consistently over the years has been Dash. In the end of twenty sixteen, Bitcoin started to come a little bit slow and expensive and I still have some like bad memories of being in a shopping mall, waiting around for two hours for a confirmation before I could actually like buy something and like it became to where I couldn't run this experiment anymore until I switched. And then the only viable thing around there was Dash at the time. That was a whole year before Bitcoin Cash existed for reference. And most recently there's this uh, app called Dash Direct that came out that basically lets you save like five to 10% at like major retailers around the US through like a little gift card setup. But it's a smooth experience. So you can actually like walk up to the cashier and they say, how much you go A fifteen forty-seven. You put in fifteen forty-seven, hit, and then you turn around, scan the barcode. But they most recently uh, introduced a crypto Mastercard that doesn't need your ID and doesn't actually take custody of your money. So now every merchant, like you go anywhere, like your random like coffee shop, oh, you know, total six seventy-eight, and then you just enter six seventy-eight, add it to the little card, scan, and you're good. And so now it's like literally one app like just one app like before the stuff i was kind of piecing together a few different services finding maps knowing friends i could transact with and now they're just one app that for the most part you can just literally pay anywhere and you don't have to give your id you know you don't have to give up control over your money it's just you know and so that's basically how easy is it today well actually pretty easy and i expect it to get even easier
1: so this this credit card you're talking about, it's way different mm-hmm. than something like a BlockFi card or something like that, or a Coinbase card, yeah. Because it doesn't require ID, um, and it, this is linked to Dash, a Dash wallet.
2: Yeah, it's not linked to it. It's just okay. It generates an invoice and you pay for the credit on the spot. So you okay. have money in your own wallet, your own keys, your own you control gotcha. everything like that, and then. When it comes time to like load the exact amount you want for that purchase, you just do it on the spot. And because Dash has instant transactions, it just goes through right away. And then
1: there you go. So you're basically paying a pre, it's kind of like you're paying your own prepaid credit card at the last second before you make the transaction. Is that how that's yeah, working? Pretty okay. Pretty much.
2: And so you have like five to 10 seconds exposure to a fiat value. And then there you go. Okay. And it's. I think it's like a thousand dollars a day or per load limit, but you can just infinitely reload the card. I, there are a few places you can buy prepaid like Visa gift cards. It's a super clunky experience with crypto, but then yeah. even when that's done, you have to buy, find a different one to buy. And this is just like continuous. Like,
1: yeah. so is this an actual card or is it an, the app itself generates a credit card number? I mean, what's the transaction look like? I'm at, I'm at McDonald's because I'm, had a brain fart that day and for some reason went to McDonald's and I'm buying a Big Mac and a and a Coke because I've lost my mind and now I'm gonna <laughs> pay.
2: Yeah, so currently and this has been successfully tested like a couple of days ago and it's about to be rolled out. So depending on when people are listening to this, it could be out right now. Uh you can add that it's a virtual card in app. You can add it to uh like Samsung Pay and Apple Pay and soon Google Pay and then do like a tap and pay little thing or okay. they, they're coming out with a physical card as well that you know also doesn't have your name on it or whatever and hopefully again timelines are always weird with like cutting cutting edge kind of stuff but hopefully within you know a couple of weeks it would be nice to be able to get like a, a physical card delivered so then you can just use it like a regular card but it's not attached to your stuff you just use the app to top it up with the exact amount you need or if you want to keep a running balance like do you think the crypto prices are going to crash tomorrow? You just load up a grand and there you go.
1: Okay. So this is uh, this is a thing that's unique to Dash, though?
2: Yes, at the moment it is.
1: Okay. And I guess then that transaction can be highly anonymous because, first of all, the credit card itself is not linked to you directly. But the other side of it, I, I, I'm imagining you can use the privacy features with Dash when you charge it up?
2: Yes, I have done that before. I have used okay. mixed funds, the CoinJoin functionality, and just sent it right in. So basically, you know, if the reality with using crypto privately is um, like 80% of the battle, 90% of the battle is just not linking it to your ID. And yeah. then the the other 10%, 20% there's a lot of like, it's, it can get really tricky and there's a lot of spectrum. It's not as simple as using uh, a special privacy algorithm or uh, a coin that supports these things. There's, Gotta watch about, out about your IP address, make sure you have a de-Googled phone. You gotta do a whole bunch of things, you know? But yeah, yeah, basically you can have pretty, you know, pretty good privacy and do this.
1: Very cool. And I I think there's like a lot of solutions, like we're coming at this because you're a Dash guy, so we're coming more at this from a Dash Mm. thing today, but I'm seeing things like this occur with more and more implementation on the Bitcoin side with Lightning. Mm. Um, we have, uh, cryptos like, uh, like Monero, which was mentioned Mm -hmm. here, which are private by default, but then who takes it, like what you just described, solves that issue, things like Pirate Chain, and eventually we're going to have atomic swaps on the back end where we can do what you're talking about without maybe a separate app. Like There's a lot of this coming, and it seems to me like we're getting to a point where the average person, if they really want to, can pay their bills at least most, if not all of them, without um, a bank account, right?
2: yeah, I mean i was I was just chatting with uh, Brian Harrington the other day, who's another guy who's big into living on crypto, but from like the lightning network perspective. Uh, and like ninety percent of everything without much fuss, you can live like unbanked on crypto with no kyc. The last ten percent is a little bit of a trick and a struggle. If you do use a KYC service such as like a Coinbase, then that part is super easy. But if you don't do KYC, then it's like you can get 90% and then you have to start, you know, renting a, renting a room where like the landlord pays for the water bill so you don't have to kind of thing. Or you have to start like, you have to start having like a, like molding your life around this. But like for the average person doing anything, 90%, you know, no KYC, unbanked crypto stuff. The other 10%, you might, Explore some services that ha- want your ID in some cases, or you know, decide to change your life around that. You know,
1: yeah, yeah. Now, as more and more of this becomes the case, the the government, and I should say governments with an S, because it's not just our government; it's governments around the world, it's state level governments, national governments, etc., seem to be moving more and more into this and attempting capital controls and censorship. And the way I described it in the pre-promotion for this show is that if you look at any nation state, when they move into a point where they start to have their economic Ponzi, which all these central bank systems are, these Ponzi systems fail. If you look at somebody like, for instance, most recently, something like Argentina, not most recently, but in people's minds, fully worked itself out now, Argentina. And when Argentina started to fail, the first thing they did was they took all Michael Saylor's money, right? They made him a Bitcoin maxi, really, really mm-hmm. uh, did us a favor back then. Um, but they also, like, instituted these capital controls. Like, the first thing mm-hmm. they did was say you could hold dollars in Argentinian bank. They converted your dollars into, I guess it's the Argentine peso. And then they immediately revalued the peso and you lost all the money that you had in the spread if you were holding money in Argentine bank. And then they wouldn't let you... Withdraw a certain amount of money. They wouldn't let you move your money out of Argentina, right? They, they, they put these capital controls in to try to hold captive all the money that was inside Argentina. And I think what we see today is now we're seeing small countries starting to implode like Lebanon recently. And uh, I think Turkey's had some real problems and Kazakhstan and, but it seems like that's like a cancer patient thinks they have a little tumor on their pinky or something, and it's actually already metastasized to the body. And, like, we have a global economic reckoning coming right now. And so I I feel like we're having, like, maybe it's a nation-states doing it individually, but really, like, an attempt at, like, global capital controls. And so that's financial censorship. That's what we're talking about. So can crypto be censored or its institutions or service providers, right? So you mentioned Coinbase. I think like if you wanted a softest target for government to start controlling on and off ramps, you'd go after people like Coinbase that are a publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. So are there ways around that, or is it inevitable that eventually we're going to have to deal with it?
2: Well, both are correct. Yes, there are ways around it, but yes, we will have to deal with something. I mean, if you think about it, In the entire history of the human race that we can document, there's been some kind of jerks who kind of tell us what to do and take our stuff. And I'm optimistic about making that significantly better in our lifetimes and definitely much better, you know, past our lifetimes. But, you know, it's not going to be like tomorrow, everything collapses and we're all flying around in the Jetsons car. And, you know, like it's, it's not quite like that. But the thing is that is correct that, centralized custodian services for crypto are starting to face a lot of pressure. Um, for example, there's a the whole, uh, AOPP thing, which is a lot of wallet providers are st- basically because of the, uh, travel rule. A lot of exchanges are now facing pressure to when you withdraw from an exchange, you have to prove you own the address, right? You have to prove you own the address that you, you know, withdrew to, and in some cases, some regulations are trying to make it illegal to transact from an unidentified address to another unidentified address. And so there's going to be a ton of pressure on these exchanges that are the, 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 I guess, the life rafts from the fiat system into the crypto system. And I think it's going to be a really rough time for that. And the people caught behind are kind of going to be stuck in this like, hyper-regulated, I don't even mean like like the fiat system, because the fiat system sucks, but the regulations or restrictions they're trying to put on the crypto, the regulated crypto world are more than what the banking system would have to deal with. And so, but then on the other hand, like anyone can transact with any cryptocurrency without permission. Anyway, you can get Interest on your crypto, you can get loans out, you can get all this stuff without a centralized provider, just like with the code out on the internet. It's it's crazy these days, and that's only growing. There's so many ways of getting paid for it. Any artist or you know other can just mint a bunch of NFTs and sell them and flip them for this, and just like all of a sudden you have this big revenue model straight in crypto. It that stuff is booming. The problem is the people trying to bridge that gap, and so I think that what we might have to do is it might just be a case where there's some poor, sad people who are trying to bridge the gap and can't really. And then there's everyone who's like unplugged for the matrix in this, this kind of way. Some people might just have to spend their fiat while they have it while it's, you know, going down year after year and start getting paid in crypto from like fresh and not, you know, not just be like, I'm going to move all my fiat into crypto. Like, no, just that's the old system. Start, working on the new system, that part, the amount of regulations required to really tamp down on crypto, on the actual decentralized part of crypto globally is to the, like, I'm not saying you can't do it, but it's to the point where it would really like upset people. And that's the thing that,
1: well, and, and then we even, also like, they only yeah. have so many resources, right? We have this, this belief in this hyper competent government, right? Like, yeah. so do you guys want to actually collect the taxes from the 99% of people still doing things your way, or do you want to go after the 1% of people over here? Like, you, you, they have to determine how to, you know, would you like to keep the lights on or would you like to go after cryptocurrency? Would you like to prevent the people who are fed up with you from pulling you out of the, the white, the, the Capitol building and hanging you from streetlights? Or would you like, like in every instance, yeah. the government does a thing. If it's a momentous thing, you have to really think about, well, what resources am I pulling away from to be able to do this thing?
2: Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I think. Like on tax forms, they just start saying, did you, they just like add like the question. Yeah. So they'd shaken the tree, just get some people yeah. to come out and pay some money. Ultimately, yeah. uh, in the gov- government is a business, ultimately. And I'm not super conspiratorial as far as like the world is all under like one government and stuff. There's competition amongst governments, right? You think sure. that the, the government of El Salvador really cares to be on the same agenda as the government of the U S or maybe they're like, haha, we can steal some of your tech money over there by just saying, Oh, no capital gains on crypto. Come on over. And then it's like, there's that competition. We see what happened with the drug war. It completely failed despite, you know, still being ongoing, but you're talking about physical goods that have to grow from the ground. And we're not talking about just like clicking a mouse somewhere and then there you're yeah. in. And so the ability for, let's just say, um, I think the SEC is trying to redefine uh, an exchange as something that would encompass developers of open source software. And if that happens, anyone who's building on DeFi decentralized finance or other cryptocurrency protocols is just going to either be completely super anonymous or just in another country. And the stuff they build will still be accessible to Americans. And it just, you're just pushing capital out there. They like to live in America but they'd rather live somewhere else where they can, and then you're you're losing out on all that tax revenue. So I think it's going to be bumpy in the next ten years. It's going to be a lot of like, oh shit, we didn't regulate in time. Let's over-regulate. Oh, that's not working. Well, well, and then as they figure it out, and eventually they'll figure out like, okay, look, we just want your money, <laughs> right? <laughs> give us some of this. Give us some of this crypto. You know, we'll phase out. We'll try to do a digital dollar. We'll make you buy it to like pay your tax or something like that. We'll we'll make sure we still have a seat at the table. But we'll, we want some of this money rather than just losing it all.
1: I I think like the, the straightest arrow to them getting their piece of the pie, wetting their beak, like the mafia guy would say. Mm -hmm. And I think this is what they're going to do is they're going to roll out what everybody thinks of as a central bank digital currency, except it won't be. It won't Mm -hmm. be this one thing. What they're going to do, I think personally, is pull, stable coins into FDIC, mm-hmm. which creates a hyper-globalized hyper, hyper uh, globalized U.S. dollar. And then that becomes their transactional tool. So you want to play, pay with mm-hmm. the te- Tether or True ESD or whoever plays the game or Bank of America's new stable coin or whatever. That's fine, but you have to pay in it. And then that transaction can be taxed coming into that particular coin. And yeah. – it it solves a lot of problems for them in their head. It probably won't work, but one problem it solves is rampant runaway inflation in the United States. If you can spread the dollar off across the globe more than it is, Mm -hmm. then you have more people using it, even though there's more dollars and you end up pushing inflation down, at least for a time. And if you were sitting in Zaire or, you know, Zimbabwe or Egypt or whatever, and you can pick up a smart device, install an app and start doing business in dollars now, Mm-hmm. Most people are going to. I, it makes me think back when I was very young, back when I was 19 years old, stationed in Honduras in the Army. And if you, mm-hmm. if you gave a kid a 10 Lumpira, that was their local currency note, which was worth about a dollar and a quarter, right? You gave them that, they were happy. But if you took a dollar, that was worth less. Wrapped it around a rock, you could entertain yourself because they would fight over it, mm-hmm. right? That $1 was worth more than, than 10 of their own Lumpira, even though the 10 Lumpira had a higher value, And so that's kind of where we're we're getting to. And the dollar is that all over the world in most economies. And I think that's their pathway. And then they have a very simple, anytime you want to go from this into our dollar, we can see that transaction. And that makes a very easy choke point for them to tax. And then a lot of this other stuff, you know, maybe it it, it, they – Say it's in place, but how do you enforce it? So those of us who will go crypto to crypto, but then you start leaning on banks, merchant providers, stores, anybody with a retail front and saying, hey, you have to take dollars.
2: Yeah, and that's the stable coin thing is going to be an interesting. That's where a lot of the fireworks are going to happen. I, I personally don't think that like fiat peg stable coins are going to be around in like 20 years. Just because who wants to peg something to the value of something that's crashing all the time, right? Where, you know, the the actual inflation for the dollar is starting to get bad. It's, you know, in in fact, um, a friend of mine who is from Venezuela has a business in El Salvador now. He said, like, this reminds me of like 2007 in my country where people started to take out as many loans they could, denominated bolivars, and just like, just ride the system because they knew they have to pay back a small fraction of it. And it's not like, it's not just that uh, the crypto world is doing fiat currency better than fiat because, you know, with all the stablecoin stuff. Yeah. But there's, there are also so many uh, loans and things like that, financial products in a completely decentralized way that allow you to take out fiat-denominated loans. And then you just pay them. Like, you can pay them out at a very fraction of the value over time, right? Because let's say you have, like, five Bitcoin. You take out a loan of the USD equivalent of that. And you just spend that right away, which by the way, um, doesn't really get you with capital gains on one moment. Ooh, sorry. I almost got a sneeze right there. Uh, Capital gains got in my brain, you know, anyway. So (laughs) instead of like cashing out your crypto and then taking that giant capital gains hit and spending on things, you take a loan out on that with USD, you pay for stuff and then you have to pay back whatever the, the collateral you have now becomes so much more valuable than the loan over time. And then it just shorting the dollar basically. And that's really starting to wake up regulators. They're like, Oh crap. Like, wow, how did this happen? (laughs) And I think there's going to be a lot of fight over that. I don't really think that the, like with the amount of municipalities that are taking crypto payments for taxes and things like that today, I don't know how they're going to figure out the like the digital dollar thing, but I don't think they can claw back the well you have to use this coin to do these things. I I think yeah. what they're going to do probably is just say all stable coins are considered counterfeit. You know, we have to have a hand in regulating stable coins cuz everyone's going to be going in and out of doll- the See, dollar. See, that's what
1: I'm saying. I'm saying like there's a middle yeah. ground there instead of saying you can have stable coins or we can have a CBDC. Mm-hmm. If you want to issue stable coin You have to Mm -hmm. come under FDIC.
0: Yeah.
1: So then it's the banks that are issuing the stable coins, not independent projects like Tether is today, um, which is, it's hard for people to get their head around if they don't understand the fiat money system as a whole and fractional reserve. Mm -hmm. It's what the banks do right now. So if you come to me and I'm, I'm, you know, Bank of Jack and you want to buy a house and I say, well, how much money do you need? And you say a quarter million dollars. And I say, well, here's a check for a quarter million dollars. I didn't actually write you a check off my deposits, right? I issued $250 of new money in the form of debt. So I I think that we could end up in the point where the stable coin is, is, is the new mechanism of uh fractional reserve banking, if that makes sense. So it's, it's, it's fiat backed, but it's really like, it's not like when I issue you that money, it's not really fiat backed, right? Mm -hmm. It's Joel Valenzuela, Promise to repay back.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's that's where that two hundred fifty thousand dollars I issued to you came from. I didn't have the money on the bank. I had at least twenty five thousand dollars in reserves, and then I can cut this check backed by nothing but your promise to pay me back. And I, I just yeah. don't know that they'll give up because if you think about it, like who's regulating this? Well, mm-hmm. you know the, the the SEC and the and, and the FTC, right? But who's controlling them? Well, the banks, and the banks already do this. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Like the banks yeah. are really in charge, right? Like, period. Like the banks are actually in charge of everything.
2: And that's something that I can actually see as a regulation that they that could like take place is trying to regulate stable coins as dollars. Because Yeah, that's you know, what I'm saying.
1: You know, to be clear, like, yeah, that's what I'm saying.
2: If you say, Okay, look, you cannot all non custodial crypto apps are banned. Like, yes. that's not going to fly.
1: That's like, not going to work. I, but you it, can't keep I, cocaine out of prison. You're not going to keep software off people's devices. Just go away.
2: Yeah. It, like, you can, but the, the uh, amount of work you'd have to do to get that done, you know, would really cause an outcry. And then it would cause the other political party to, move, to win the next election and then just, like, reverse some of these because they have a bunch of big donors whose companies rely on these kind of apps existing, whatever. But what you can do is say – you cannot have an app, a non-custodial app, whatever, with a stablecoin offering that doesn't have regulate, or like regulatory approval. You have uh, yeah. the KYC with that. And then most apps will just like, for US customers, you can't download the version that supports stablecoins. Yeah. And that's it.
1: And they'll, without to KYC that. or whatever. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. And that's just the way it's going to go. I think, um, I don't know how long we have until that, but like in the, in the meantime, you know, do whatever you, do whatever you can, I guess. But, uh, the ultimate thing, like a lot of people, I remember Eric Voorhees, who's a great man and a pioneer, the founder of ShapeShift, Satoshi Dice, all this kind of stuff. Uh, he said the most thing, thing he's most excited about in 2022 in crypto is algorithmic stable coins. Hmm. And my, I, I understand where he's coming from because it is, it is a breakthrough and it is enabling a lot of people who just aren't Ready to live on crypto and denominate their life in a volatile asset like that is allowing them to come on board. But I'm not super excited about anything that's pegged to the crashing dollar, the entire reason crypto exists to begin with. And it's a, it's a position for hardcores like me today. But in five years, 10 years, who's going to want to be paid in dollars? Like already people are saying pay me in Bitcoin or whatever. And then the price goes down. They might feel a bit of buyer's remorse, whatever. But in five to 10 years, people are going to be like, it's going to be like other countries like Venezuela when they say pay me in dollars because they don't want that. It's going to be the same thing. And so the stable coin issue is it's the, the front, the forefront of the battle today. I, I can't see it being that way in like five to 10 years or, or beyond rather.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, What about tracing of crypto transactions? You mentioned already, like, one of the things you really need to do is keep an address from being associated with your name. There's a lot of ways that can be sniffed out, though. What makes a transaction difficult to kind of decrypt and figure out that it it went to Joel, and and what makes it impossible? Because I think for a lot of things, difficult is enough. You can't – again, we're back to resources. Like, can I really afford – to put, you know, some guy at the NSA on a project for two hours today just to find out where you bought your scone and your coffee. I probably yes. can't mess with that. I have to look at a much higher level. Like are you a rich enough, star? even IRS auditing agents, right? They're judged on almost like a, like a reverse commission thing. Like how many cases did you have last year and how much money did you bring in? So they don't—they're not going to go after people. Are like, I'm afraid I'm going to get audited. How much money did you make last year? Thirty-six thousand dollars. You're not getting audited, <laughs> right? It doesn't—I don't care. Yeah, you, you they audit bill, you, they're going to they give you money. Come, you, <laughs> pay, you didn't like your bank might send them a thing that you made some interest on your bank account and you forgot it, and they might send you a bill for it. And people tell me that like I got audited. No, you didn't get—that's not audited. Audited is when they put the glove on and it goes up your ass to your elbow. That's what audited is. That's where you have to go sit through yeah. and, and audit. You're not getting audited making 50 grand a year or less, right? unless you yeah. really made a half a million and you said it was 50. But if you really made 50 grand, you're not getting audited. So these crypto transactions, when there's billions of them happening a day, there's certain ones they can't really put the effort into. But it doesn't mean if mm-hmm. they target you, they won't.
2: Yeah. So the, the privacy on crypto spectrum, first off, it's a much bigger spectrum and a much more complicated thing than people kind of realize. I think like, do you have private, like some people assume crypto is private and most of it is absolutely not, especially account based cryptocurrencies like Ethereum, where you have one address and everything. If you look at that address, not only they see how much money do you have, they see all your NFTs. They see all your other random tokens. It's just all public knowledge and how people, and some people, you see this on Twitter. A lot of times people had their username dot ETH because that's their dot ETH username that maps to that one address that then you see their entire everything. Oh my gosh, who, who does this? At least with something like Bitcoin, you get a new address every time. And then it's like, well, you got to like watch the blockchain. And once they use a transaction that then combines inputs from those two addresses, it's like, all right, now you start to figure out a financial picture, but then, the next step beyond that I would say is probably uh mixing or coinjoin and there's quite a few wallets that do this on Bitcoin and it's kind of built into the dash protocol and that makes it really hard to uh see the origins of funds like you just get it you don't know where it's from but like if you receive a big pot of money from like whatever and then you start spending it like two random transactions go to two unrelated addresses you can't tell where they're from cuz they're mixed but then you spend, and then from both of those biological conclusion, oh yeah, they must have come, this must be the same person if they got combined in the same transaction. And uh, there was um the Wasabi wallet, I, mean, I hate to throw some shade right here, but it was it was used for a few big hacks that happened from exchanges. And they had some fatal flaw in their mixing thing that was discovered and the people that used that service went to jail. And the next level beyond that is some sort of a mixing thing, plus, let's just say, confidential transactions or stealth addresses or something, where you can see an address, but you can't see either the amount that went into it, or you can't see, looking at the address, how much that it even got a transaction. And the way Monero works is similar, you know, know, people are going to lose their mind, whatever. It's similar to a mixing thing, although it's not, you don't pre-mix a bunch of funds, you have a decoy model where it's like, let's just say one out of 10 is the real one, and you yeah. got to guess. It's similar to you know the mixing thing, but then—
1: It was um, a 13-part 13, 13 ring signature, and mm-hmm. I think in the last upgrade it went to like 111. So it's like yeah, there's 111 cups, right? And you're mm-hmm. playing the game where you try to find the ball under the cup, but there's 111 yeah. of them. And there are balls under all the cups— Mm-hmm. You need to find the right ball and know you're looking at it when you see it. It's, that's a pretty difficult nut to crack.
2: Yeah. And the thing is that the thing that makes that work better, of course, is when you send to an address because of confidential trans- transactions, you can't tell how much went into the address or even that it got a payment from there. So it's receiver privacy as well as sender privacy. Yeah. The thing is like over the years, because I've been keeping track of this stuff for, you know, six years, I guess. They're like, it's a constant cat mouse game where people were like, all right, well they found out that out of the, there's a 50% chance that the very first of these decoys was the right one was the actual real one. And oh, we got to figure that out. Or it's like, if you send, and this was, I believe in the last year or so that I believe they fixed. Okay. I'm not super up on it, but if you send, if you receive a transaction and then you resend it within like 10 minutes or whatever, then it becomes, it's really likely that the first input is like the one is the real one, and so if you wait 30 minutes, then it's like more likely that it just and then oh we got to fix that. So every time they have to fix, it's a cat and mouse game, and I'm sure people are getting caught in the interim from people looking at it. But then the next level up, I would say something like so there's two that I keep my eye on, which are Firo and Zcash. Uh, Firo is kind of it used to be called Zcoin. It's not really as well known uh but they're working on some high level stuff with the Lelanta Spark protocol. But basically Zcash also has has always been pretty solid. Now, the the wild card with Zcash are their two wild cards, right? One is they had a trusted setup, which means there's a possibility that one of the people who created the thing who was there for the founding um, has some way to exploit the privacy on that. They're doing an upgrade as far as I know to remove that whole vulnerability entirely so it doesn't really matter. Their big thing was um it just was, like, super computationally intensive. No one was using it. But now they've gotten to where mobile wallets can really do some, like, high-level privacy yeah. like, easily within a few seconds, like five seconds. You just, and then you go. And yeah. so it's starting to, like, that's probably more the higher end of the spectrum. yeah. But the greater point is, it's always going to be a cat and mouse game with this stuff. And it also has something to do with no matter how private everything is, if you are known to have bought like a giant, like a hundred grand of this stuff and then all of a sudden someone buy, buys something, a hundred grand yacht or what well, that's probably really cheap for a yacht, whatever. Yeah. A car, a hundred grand car with this stuff. Even if there's no traceability, people aren't stupid. They can figure out money here, money there. And even if you have the best privacy tools, if you're kind of an idiot, you know, (laughs) you're going to get busted. And so, or just traced. I mean, honestly, in most cases,
1: it's just. You're talking about major purchases there. Yeah. I mean, you're going to know, like the money came from somewhere, right? It had to come from somewhere and you bought it, right? Like if you're buying a yacht or a house, when you start buying things in a six figure thing, you're almost never going to buy a thing that's not in some way titled to you, Mm -hmm. right? So then you immediately have a link to that. You know, a piece of real property, a car, uh, a, a massively expensive piece of art, something like that is always going to have a, a tie to the buyer. So I guess that yeah. would be something that you can always see what came out the other end of the tunnel in a dollar amount, right? So I guess that's a, that's one pretty difficult yeah. to crack. Now you mentioned, uh, Zcash. My mm-hmm. issue with Zcash is not really the trustless setup. If you fully understand how that works, mm-hmm. it would actually have to be that everybody, save their key, because there's like 12 or 13 keys that yeah. each member of the setup had and then supposedly destroyed. Um, mm-hmm. But what was built off of Zcash, it, and and I, I feel like something went wrong with Zcash because Zcash was supposed to be completely private, and then it became optionally private. And to me, optional privacy is not full privacy because it requires people to use it, and we know they don't. And we know that for instance, on the Zcash network, it's less than 6% of transactions use privacy. And ZK-SNARKs are almost impossible break if it's used. But like uh, our Pirate Chain was built off of Zcash, and they made it mandatory. Like even if you're – even your transactions on an exchange, I guess if you got into the account, you could see the transactions, but the transactions themselves are shielded. And the way that works, if I send you money – with, with R and you say you didn't get it. And I'm like, yes, you did. You, you, unlike Bitcoin, I can't just send you, um, you know, a, a, where you can go look at the block explorer and see it, but I can. There's another code. So you've got your public key, your private key. You've also got a viewing mm-hmm. key and it's like having a whole second private key, but that key only it's instead of being like a multi sig, it just only lets you view the transaction. Mm-hmm. So to view the transaction would be just as difficult. Is knowing somebody's public key and trying to guess the private key. Mm-hmm. And I think that takes that's what Zcash could have been, and for some reason wasn't. And I my bigger concern with Zcash is the fact they didn't do that when they could have. And that just makes me yeah. afraid that somebody somewhere said, Hey, y'all aren't gonna do this. And then they complied. Because why why wouldn't you do that if you could have? And I the only legit answer I can give what's been very difficult for pirate chain is, is onboarding exchanges because it's a lot more complicated for an exchange to manage deposits and withdrawals in that yeah. scenario. It was, you know, a couple exchanges really kind of regretted bringing them on and eventually their team helped make it work. But I guess that would be the only plausibly reasonable Reason they would have made that optional on-off switch, and I know Dash does too. And I'm, yeah. I'm not a huge fan of optional privacy. I, I'm really not. Like to me, something like R is optional privacy because if I want to disclose it, I can, but mm. the transaction is private by default.
2: Yeah, it's it's an interesting trade-off because um, I've been kind of watching space for a while, and Monero by having constant like always on. Stuff has made a lot of things really difficult, like made adoption to wallets lagging, exchanges lagging, all this kind of stuff lagging. And it just, the thing what I, I believe, again, I don't, I don't I'm not, i am i am not in the Zcash people's brains. I think their, their thinking was this stuff is not ready for prime time yet. Sure. We want to get it out as, to as many people as possible. And get as many exchanges as possible. Like for example, it's on Gemini, which is one of the most, it's a bit licensed New York exchange, you know, one of the most regulated ones. We'll find a way to do all that and we'll just give people the option until it becomes computationally kind of, you know, worth it to be able to do this for almost every transaction. And I believe again, there's a lot of stuff I've heard. I need to do more recent research into Zcash. There's only so many things I can be looking into. I've heard rumor that they're going to a default on privacy model. Yeah. Um, the thing is, as far as always on, um, there the entire value proposition, this is something that's like a... People don't really talk about, but the, the value proposition of crypto is in its radical transparency. A lot of people say, like, oh, I like Bitcoin because it's anonymous. Well, no, you like it because... Everyone can tell every bit. Everyone can account for every last Satoshi. We know there's no, you know, there's no, nothing being messed around with the supply. Everything's super auditable. People can trust the value in that. You don't know that one guy owns it all secretly and like all this kind of stuff. There's value in that. And of course that's constantly at odds with, but can we want privacy too? Yeah. And so there are some cases like, for example, if you, let's just say governments and nonprofits use this stuff do you really want their funding to just be completely like anonymous and dark to do whatever they do? That's kind of what they already do. You'd want an option for like donation address. This is how much we've received. And you just see like a public donation Mm -hmm. address and just say, we gave this to this family or this to this, whatever you want to, you want to have that public accounting out there or some people would rather. And then once like you, once people get paid with it or whatever, then it's just like, you know, like, Oh, we paid, this much in salaries, but it was all shielded. So you can't see who got it or how they got it, but you can see the transparent balance now went down by the amount we said it did. It's like, okay, that's, we're not having the Pentagon lose like billions of dollars into the, you know, into the nether. So it's really good. I think to have kind of both. Um, Except
1: I don't think it'll ever matter because they'll make an exclusion for themselves anyway, mm -hmm. due to national security or some shit.
2: Right, yeah, probably.
1: We can't do this. It would be interesting though for charities and what have you, right? And NGOs mm-hmm. that people contribute to voluntarily to be yeah. able to audit their books. But that's kind of like, again, that's a voluntary application. Um, yeah. I just like so when, when, you're doing, when you're doing, you're doing 94% of your transactions publicly and 6% mm-hmm. privately decrypting those 6% just got easier. If that makes yeah. sense, right? You I now really,
2: reduce I like the cost. those ratios.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I'd look, and I like your idea of like default on mm-hmm. and you turn it off. And it'd be kind of cool to build technology that says, like, like you were saying, like for a government program or a charity to basically, mm-hmm. when you set up this address for this purpose, since they don't need, we don't, I'm agreeing with you. We do not want mm-hmm. them to have privacy, right? Those people mm-hmm. don't get privacy that it would be like an Ethereum or an Algorand address that it's an account. It's one and it stays one and all the money goes to the one and all the outs are auditable. I I like, I've always found that to be interesting. I'd like to see, you know, I'm an anarchist personally, so I want no state, Mm -hmm. but if there's going to be a state, I would like, you know, it'd be great if we didn't have a big fight about did Trump win or lose? Right. What what if the blockchain of the election was auditable by everybody, everywhere, all at the same time? I think there's some things we can use that transparency for with public records. Like mm-hmm. car titles, home titles, et cetera. We can eliminate with that functionality by tokenizing those titles in, in basically a form of NFTs. We can mm-hmm. eliminate entire industries that are nothing but leeches on society, like your title search company. You yeah, know, if we I have mean,
2: you're already doing that with uh, right. some property in Florida was sold as an NFT not to, yeah. So yeah. If sorry. we can
1: take, if we can take the title of a property and put it on a blockchain that's auditable by anybody. Why do I have to pay title company XYZ $1,800 to make sure there's not a lien on the title, right? The Mm -hmm. blockchain says it's, it's lien free. It's right there. Anybody can look at it because that, that whole industry exists for the purpose of extracting money out of mortgages. That's the only reason that it's there. We all know that, but there's nothing we can do about it, right? There's no alternative yet, but, Mm -hmm. uh, car titles again, like we, if it's a public record, it doesn't need to be private because it's public, right? So I think there's a lot that can be done with that.
0: Yeah,
2: and that is a a case for a certain amount of transparency, right? You don't want to see how much money the guy who paid for the house has, but you do want to see that he paid the the list price or whatever is actually quoted for the house. It's not like, oh yeah, it's totally worth this much. I got some dude to sign off on it, and then once the once the the seller receives the money, then they just move it to some dark address where you can't see it. But it's like you kind of want that. I've used, I've run a couple projects where I've intentionally disable the change addresses on the wallet. So all the money in is in one address and have a big publicly accessible spreadsheet of every single payment made out of that just for radical transparency. So no one has to say, well, where's the money? How much did you spend on this? What's going on? Just like, just look at it. It's all there. And when you get to the individuals who get paid, once they get paid, then they, the privacy is kind of on them, but there's some really good applications to radical transparency it's just that it's unfortunately too default right now. Yeah. And I would yeah. really like to have it like the default is, the default is dark until you have to, you know, do something about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can see, I could come up with ideas off the top of my head about how this work. Uh, intercompany billing, mm-hmm. like interdepartmental building in a large corporation. They could even have their own crypto that basically moves money around within the company. And when money goes in or out of the company, it goes in fiat or whatever they transact in. And that would mean that any internal auditor could audit all internal billing immediately. And when Karen and human resources says, I didn't spend that money. Yeah, you did. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, or our department never received that, those funds. Yes, you did. Like there would yeah. be no discrepancy whatsoever. There it is. Like, you know, or mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't spend beyond my authorized daily limit as a purchasing agent within the company. Yes, you did. Here it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there would be, and then I think that would save like on expense reporting and all that stuff that companies have to do to comply with the state could save billions of dollars across the aggregate by yeah. using that type. So I think there's plenty of reasons for it, but like I'm I'm saying between if I'm transacting between you and me, I would rather it just be dark by default and if we want it public, we can make it yeah. public. That's, that's Yeah,
2: public. And that's exactly the thing. It's like information is very powerful and the problem is if too much information is out there at some things that can be powerful against you. But so I I think that Trans, like uh, on a, um, as a principle, I think that transparency, more information available to more people, you know, without looking at nuance is usually a good thing. It's just that in some cases and financial privacy is one of these, like how much money you individually own and or who you're paying. Yeah. If it's no one's business, that really needs to be completely, you know, transparent. And I think it really, I mean, not transparent, like completely opaque, and I think that this will happen even without like the cypherpunk pressure, although I do think that is a very valuable tool um, because your bank is relatively private. Like, okay, the bank knows how much you have. The government knows how much you have. Yeah. But the merchant who you swipe the card on, they don't really know how much you have. Your random, per- like, unless you tell them, no one really knows how much you have. In fact, like cash is almost less private than a bank account sometimes because when you pull it out of your wallet, they can see if there's a hundred and the a few hundreds in the back of your sure. stack. But sure. so right now people are just like not yet adjusted to this, like but they're oh yeah, look at my NFT collection at this address. They're not quite used to being robbed at gunpoint, I guess. They're yeah. not quite they haven't, they haven't clicked. But once it clicks, no one is gonna want to use something like that. And then the average person is going to they don't want the coffee shop owner to like start Charging them more. Be like, oh, yeah, it's Jimmy. I know he's a baller. And you start cranking yeah. up the for
0: right-
2: <laughs> him. Like, this stuff is not going to fly with the average, like, yeah. NPC, like, average sheeple, whatever you want to call them. They're going to want privacy. And if they want privacy, people like us really want privacy. It's just going to be there.
1: You know, um, there's both sides of that trend. Those transactions need to be thinking when they're doing stupid things like using the same address. So if I use one address and I come into your store and I buy $35 worth of crap and I pay you with it. And then you you're just like, Hey, he paid me with crypto. Let me see how much. And I pull it up and you pull it up and I've got like 5 million bucks. Like you might know a guy named Guido and I might wake up with a gun in my mouth, right? Mm-hmm. To get my $5 million worth of Bitcoin. That you know, it's all in one address. you need, one phrase or one private key, and you've got all my money. Like, I've revealed mm-hmm. something. Likewise, if I pay you to an address and you take the same one all the time, you can wake up with Guido's gun in your mouth. You don't know. But less nefarious, but just as damaging long-term to a business, I've bought stuff from companies that do take crypto, and I'm like, I wonder. And you check the address on a Block Explorer, and there's hundreds of transactions there. Oh, okay. Okay, And then you go to their their product catalog and you go, okay, so last month you sold 10 of these and 20 of these and a 100 of these. This is your number one best-selling item. Guess what if I'm your competitor, even if I'm not sending Guido to your house? Guess what I know to do? I know where to target, what to sell, how to market it, and I can price mine $2 less than yours. And you just gave me all that competitive information because you used one address. Mm -hmm. And I've actually, like, checked on, you know, I'm not the guy that's going to make it public or do it. But I've checked on businesses where I'm like, I literally can tell you what you sold, when you sold it, uh, what time of day you sold it, what your best selling items, what your worst selling items are, when you drop prices, which items sell better when you put a sale on. Like that's a crazy amount of competitive info. And you're right. If they're doing business with credit cards, they're not giving that away. So much for anonymous,
2: yeah. right? Well, that's the other thing is what happens. You go get a coffee shop, go to the coffee shop and then you pay and then, um, the barista then checks the transaction history and says, Oh, this person is loaded. I'm going to go like flirt with them next time. Try to get out on a date, try to then make some certain allegations and just say, look, can you just like, you don't want this, this lawsuit. You don't want yeah. to go to court. Can you just yeah. pay me off real quick? Like yeah. it starts to get really weird with that. Or if you got friends and then you just know that one of them is so much, you, you see them paying you're like, Oh, well, how much was it? it just starts to complicate things a little bit and just gets a little, like, we don't want that. We want, and people, you know, the free market is undefeated. If there is a market demand, people will, the supply will be created somehow for people to, you know, meet that, to make money off of that. So if people demand financial privacy, and they will, there will always be someone to do that. This will be provided.
1: So one of the things I get from people all the time, especially in my audience, because I have about like Mm -hmm. 50% are, full-on hardcore crypto adopters, I'd say 30% are skeptics, but they just could take it or leave it. And about 20% are like crypto haters, right? They're into, <laughs> you know, the, the, I love the, the closer you are to, every time you start fires, you do it with two sticks, right? The closer you are to Bitcoin is bad and all crypto is bad. And, and they all say the same thing. They're going to ban it. They're going to ban it. I had the old curmudgeon himself, Gerald Salente on. They're going to ban it all. It's all going to go to zero. And I don't, I don't see this being practical, but you seem to put a lot of thought in this. So what do you think would be the reaction if, if if governments, you know, and I don't mean, you know, the government of Timbuktu or whatever, like a substantial government or group of governments came out and said, okay, fine. No crypto at all. We're banning it.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, obviously the price wouldn't do well in the short term. Um, No getting around that. Uh, But I think that you see a lot of it go underground. I mean, we forget that like the Silk Road was completely illegal in just about every way. (laughs) Like there's just a lot of stuff that just wasn't the government didn't like and they had to figure out how to shut it down. And then a bunch of other dark markets popped up and they're still around. Again, allegedly I have no idea. I don't don't look around there, but you could still kind of do tons of illegal things and you, you run a big risk of being stuff cracked down, but as long as people have like the ability to do this, like you think that some guy won't find a way to buy some token that then he can like DeFi farm somewhere and like make a bunch of money and get double his fiat. It's like people playing a lottery. Someone's going to do it. It'll continue on. People will, as long as it's useful. And especially once the dollar or other fiat currencies start to crash, people are going to kind of go into that sort of thing. It's just always going to be a thing. And I, I can't really see a situation where banning it is effective. Banning it is effective in ruining a lot of people's lives. You know, banning is effective in crashing the price. If you have all your money in that at some point, whoops, there you go. The thing is like fiat's turned into such a ticking time bomb right now that I don't feel comfortable holding that at all. Like it's not like, well, let's say if at least it's going to be like, no, it's starting to go down pretty fast. Like, See, we're seeing like forty percent increases in prices in some cases. It's like it's starting to become really crazy. It's so. What I would say is, if you don't trust crypto, if you don't know the grid's gonna be up, EMP attack, all that kind of crap, if you, okay, stockpile goods, like stockpile, you know, have gold and silver on hand, because why not? You know, although I think that if they have a societal collapse, no one's going to give a crap about gold and silver. But no. have a lot, no. you know, keep have a lot of whiskey, a lot of lead, especially a lot of lead. Like, do all that stuff. And then in your day-to-day life, if you're still using paper freaking money, if you're still using dollars, you know, shut up.
0: <laughs> like yeah. You've already yeah. done
2: your prepper stuff. Yeah. Use crypto. If you're still using dollars instead of crypto. No, just, okay, use this, te- even if it's 10% of your net worth or whatever is in dollars or in- turn it, most of it into crypto instead and use that instead until the MP comes and it all gets wiped yeah, out. Anyway.
1: Here's like, my thing with that, dude. I, I have a special contempt for the people that mm-hmm. like, they're going to shut down the internet, the grid's going to go down, they'll turn off all the power to controls. Whatever. I'm like, all of you people saying that, I know certain things about you like, like, uh, Whoever the guy was, Johnny Carson used to pretend to be with the big turban mm-hmm. on his hat and he would, you know, know what was inside the envelope, Karnak or some shit. Like, yeah. here's my Karnak, right? Okay. First, you're fucking broke. Okay. You have no fucking money. If you're saying this, you don't have gold. You don't have silver. You don't have real estate. You just are not participating and you want to feel comfortable in your choice not to be mm-hmm. in this ecosystem. And that's nine out of 10 of them. They have no money anyway. The rest of them they're exactly what you said. They're all denominated in dollars. They have their 401k and what have you. And if you turn the internet off, all your stocks are worthless. All your ETFs are worthless. All your dollars are worthless, Mm -hmm. right? If you shut down the internet or the grid, and by the way, most of you bringing this objection up, within 30 days, you're going to be dead because you're not a prepper either. You're a prep tender, right? Like I, I know if I go to these people's houses and I'm like, well, where's your food? You know, they have like two cases of ramen or some shit, yeah. right? I know that the people that bring that up, because I don't think you've thought forward if you bring that up there. When I first started this back, I started the show in 08. So it's been around oh, a while. And I, I talk a lot about agriculture, regenerative agriculture, permaculture, growing your own food. And I get people, especially back then, literally would say, well, I don't want to garden because when everything collapses, people are just going to come steal all my food anyway. Mm hmm. And I'm like, wait, wait. and you have no food. And I just think there is a huge portion of the market that what they're looking for is a reason not to be involved. And they'll shut off the Internet. Yeah. Uh, the CIA is Satoshi, whatever. Like all of that is just an excuse. And these people have been telling us it's all going to collapse. It's all going to go away. It's a bubble since, what, 2011? Right, when when Bitcoin became enough to even for people to know what it was, then somebody bought some pizzas with it that are worth a billion dollars yeah. today or something, right? Nothing like it's all that. been going away forever. I am sure you've read the Bitcoin obituaries, right? Yep. And, and, you course. know, the ninety-nine bitcoins or whatever. Like it's like Bitcoin mm-hmm. has died four hundred and thirty-nine times as of today. And yeah, I just think these people are looking for a reason not to get involved.
2: Well, that's true. And I think if anyone believes that a full on societal collapse is around the corner and they can't run three miles. Like you're, you're dead like right away. Like if you don't have to, <laughs> like, you're in that bad shape. Like, okay, not, a- okay, I'm not in this great shape as I used to be, but, but- if you have, if there was a predator chasing me, I could bang out a half marathon. I could make it to 12, 13 miles. I'd be like dead at the end of it. That's my extent, but like three miles, no problem. Like right now, you want me in my jeans, run three miles, I could do it bare minimum, right? But what happens if you got your bum hip, you got like, you know, whatever else, and like, you're not going to survive it, you know, Oh, I can shoot. Okay. Do you know how to shoot close quarters? Do You know how to like, what happens if someone jumps on your back? Do you know what to do? Like, like you're talking about, well, the internet's going out, but you're not prepared. You're LARPing, right? You're just, you're not prepared for that stuff. And on another say, another like thing, you should be prepared for an apocalypse scenario. Absolutely. However, you should, do you think that's gonna, do you want that to happen? Like I want society to do well. I want the world to be better and I'm betting on the pro, human progress because it's been going up and up and up and up and up. And there's been some bad things along the way too. Let's not be, you know, but like just think about the wonderful world we live in today where in the US, pretty much anyone can survive with like minimal effort. You just work a little bit, you beg a little bit, whatever you got. It's like, it's so hard to like not make it in this country today. And it's so easy to just start a business from your smartphone while working like five hours a week at a coffee shop to like fund your shack or whatever it is. Like it's so easy to just do anything. Isn't it crazy that you and me are having a telepathic conversation right now across the world and I don't know the size of the audience right now, but it's at least hundreds of people are just in tune with this telepathic conversation that we're having. Isn't that amazing? That wasn't possible. It is. And
1: later on, when it goes out on all the audio services, it's going to hit about 200,000 people over the next few days.
2: Yeah. That's
1: insane.
2: That's insane. I'm betting on this. I'm betting on more of it. And so when I saw crypto, it's not like, well, yeah, it's like money, but the government doesn't control it. It's like, well, that's the start. But it's You start to understand how the tech works. You understand like, wow, this could change a lot of things. And you're talking about, well, you know, the like NFT property deeds and stuff like that. And you're like, well, it's not quite there yet, but this could make things a lot easier. Like what happens, anyone who's bought a house, like you, all that crap you have to deal with, like, oh, this could be easier. Everything is just getting like better. And I'm kind of betting on the better while hedging my bets as anyone should, By having a bunch of guns and ammo, being able to run three miles, you know, having food, like all that kind of stuff, having some precious metals, like you hedge for the apocalypse. You're prepared for the apocalypse, but you're you're hoping and pushing the world to a better world. You know,
1: see, I prepare for my apocalypse. Right. I I don't Mm -hmm. expect the entire world to completely explode. And if it does, we've got other problems. But my Mm -hmm. world could. So I, like you said, I have precious metals. I have real estate holdings. I have conventional, regular fiat-backed investments into corporations in the form of equities. I have Bitcoin. I have some other crypto, right? And I, I actually I don't have any of that. It all went down in the boat. But you, you kind of get my point there. And most of these people that are telling you how it's all going to be go away, like I said, they're not prepared for anything. They're really not. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're looking for this excuse to remain. Abstinent from it. And I think it's more true now than it was in the beginning because most of them have heard about it for the last 10 years. And now there's a whole, instead of buyer's remorse, non-buyer's remorse, right? Like if you were told about Bitcoin when it was 30 bucks or 13 or 300 and you had, you had money, like you, you could have went and bought a couple thousand bucks worth of it and you're sitting looking at it now, you're probably angry and you either have two choices, right? Okay, except like a grown ass man or woman that I was wrong and and figure Mm -hmm. out how do I participate now or justify the bad decision? I think there's a lot of bad decisions being justified. Also, the government thing like or the the cabal or the New World Order or whomever will shut down the, the power grid or shut down the Internet or ban cryptocurrency. I don't put anything past the oligarchs, the banks, the people in power, nothing as far as how malicious are they willing to be. What I do put past is for them to do a thing that's not good for them, Mm -hmm. right? So the entire world right now is built on farming the life force of human beings. So if you destroy humanity, this is the farmer that kills all his cows and doesn't Mm -hmm. get any money for the meat. It doesn't really – now, you might call. I'm not going to say they won't call, right? You might call, but you're not going to just – pull the plug on your own support system. I do think we're going mm-hmm. through like a really like once in a, in a century reformatting of the matrix, right? Like the, the system that really began in earnest in 1913 with the federal reserve has been through five actual defaults.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: I mean, people, I don't think people realize that the, the foundation of the federal reserve at first was a the default. Then Roosevelt in 1933, revaluing gold and taking it out of people's hands was a default. 1964 was a default when they took silver out of money. Uh, the first thing that Nixon did with unpegging gold was a default. And then the final complete decoupling in 75 was a default. So we have defaulted on the dollar five times since it was formed. And like, you can only do this so many times. And, but through history, we've had these major defaults of the global currency, whether it was the Spanish pieces of eight or freaking mm-hmm. Roman denarius or whatever. and, the people that run the banking systems of the world have always just they didn't go away they just kind of created a new system and said look we have a solution it's over here it's shiny look it works better and they move society into their new system of you know in this this round maybe it's you'll you'll own nothing and you'll be happy right okay. i mean that's 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 the next plan the world economic forum is that's their their goal in life to have you rent even your carpet I mean, this is how crazy. I've actually read an article about this 10 years ago. The idea that you would rent everything. And the reason, this is the logic of this. If you rent your carpet from me, Jack's carpet, and now after five years, you want new carpet or your carpet's, you know, not the color you want. Or whatever reason, you don't want your carpet anymore. Now you have to, I have to take it back. Even though you've been paying me every year now, I have to be responsible for it as though this would keep it out of the landfill. I'm going to just throw it away. I've sold it to you five times instead of once. I don't, I don't care, right? There's going to be some exit clause. Like it's not actually going to work, but this is the mindset, and that's what they're training the younger generation to believe: is that you're better. Like uh, it's either France or I think it's France. It has a proposed piece of legislation right now that's going to say, from now on, when you buy a house, you don't own the land, you own the house, and you lease the land from the government. Like this whole I mean, system is in place to do that, this. I believe that's the way.
2: Um, Canadian law is written that the crown actually owns the land that you buy. Um, I don't know how it is written in the U.S., but the practical thing is if you don't pay property taxes, you get kicked off. Like, yeah. you lose. Yeah. So, to a certain extent, like, I would really like to start resting. I would really like property tax to go to zero. I would too. E- before other taxes. Just, oh. just so you can own. Well, not, not necessarily. Well, let me take that back, actually, because. <laughs> As far as, you know, it seems like a, one of the harder ones to get rid of as far as everything else. But from a philosophical perspective, I would like that one to go first, even though I, practically maybe not. Because yeah. then you get to actually own something. You get to live. Yeah. And, I mean, right now, you know, the, the fact is you, no one really owns anything because the government can take it away for whatever reason. Yeah. And it's the thing about ownership is, like, that's what I like about crypto is this radical ownership. Like you can own stuff really and no one can take it away really unless they they make you give it up by force. But like if you can just say like I, I own the control. I own the keys to this. Yeah. And then you're like, "Oh, really? We'll give it over." And you can just say, "Yeah, I can lose a few fingers. It's fine." Yeah. <laughs> or yep. Whatever. And you can just never give it up.
1: You know, like, who's going to get Satoshi's for? Or you give them, the, yeah, we want your passphrase. Here you go, and there's 50 bucks in there. Just like people carry dummy wallets in case you're held up. You carry a wallet with your important information at one point, and you carry a wallet with a couple bucks in it and not your ID in another, and that that's what you give up. Like, you don't mm-hmm. know, or we're in a negotiation. Okay, you even know how much I have. I'm not giving you all my money. Maybe yeah. I'll give you 10%. Well, we'll kill you. Then you'll get zero. Then you're gonna get zero, right? That's what you're gonna get. Yeah. You can either have ten percent or you can have zero. Mike Saylor talks about that all the time. That radical ownership component, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's legitimate. I, I I don't I don't know how you ever put this genie back in the bottle. I kind of liken it to the internet. People are like the government created the internet so they can control society. Uh huh. And oh, how'd good. that work out? Right. Right now, here you and I are talking to all the people that are listening to us, and will hear us over the next couple of days disseminating information. I'm sure they would prefer that we did not a platform that doesn't even like it.
0: Yeah, of course. Right. I mean, it's,
2: it's starting to get to that point where it just snowballing away from things. And I can't really see, I just can't be super pessimistic about stuff. I can be pessimistic about short term. Like, I think that there is going to be, I think supply chain issues we're having now are not going to necessarily get better, at least not in the short term. And I don't think that, The dollar collapse, which is going to happen. I don't think it's going to be kind on the economy as a whole. It's not just going to be, okay, well, if you have crypto and stuff, you're going to do better. But I don't think you're just going to like be rich. Like I think that a lot of wealth is just going to get destroyed in the meantime, not just transferred. And like, okay, stuff is going to suck for a while. You know, you might have to shoot a zombie or two, whatever, you know, what else are you doing? But you, I do think that things are going to, keep on getting better to a certain extent in a very zigzaggy way. It's never straight up. It, I'm just seeing a lot of good things coming out and I, a lot of more tools for self. Just think about it. I haven't earned dollars in seven years. Like what world in what 2010, 22,000, whenever it was, did anyone think this was possible? Everyone was just know we're slaves of the fiat system. And now it's just like, well, I haven't earned any in like seven years. So Now there's a lot more like me. Like who's, who's not seeing that as huge and incredible? Who's the sourpuss who's just like, yeah, but you know, AMP or something. Like aren't you appreciating the amazing things, progress and freedom we have today?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's an unnecessary level of pessimism. In fact, I would actually say that like the switched on people are too pessimistic and the average person is too optimistic. Like, they're not prepared for anything that's coming. Um, but I I do think that the the wealthy people of the world want to stay wealthy and having some level of success in society is kind of necessary. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: If you want to stay, if you want to stay Bezos rich, then somebody has to buy all the shit on Amazon, right? You can't Mm -hmm. destroy all of humanity and, and weaken all of humanity down to the point where they have no money. And they continue to farm their life force in the form of money. They have to have something if you're going to – you see what I'm saying? Like there has to be some sort of cycle to, to do this with. And I know there's people that think, well, they're going to – you know, the Georgia Guidestones and shit's going to come up or Club of Rome and whatever. And like if that's your world, man, I can't help. I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. And again, I, I, I go back to whatever you're holding your wealth in, if that's mm-hmm. true, it's it's worthless anyway when it happens. Like you said, if you don't have beans, bullets, and Band-Aids are what's got money and and alcohol, right? That's that's it.
2: That's the thing. Is like, you know, there's the the Pelosi uh, portfolio tracker where they found that she's become one of the most successful investors in the world. It's like she's not just destroyed the system. She's profiting off of it. Like, I guess you could say lizard people are people, too. Like they have to pay their bills too. They have yeah. to live in a nice place. I don't care if they're lizards. They still don't want to burn the world to the ground. They want to burn enough of it. They don't care, but they yeah. want their world to be good. So
1: it's, they don't care course. what burns, but they don't want to burn everything. Like that's, you know, yeah. as long as it's a little piece here, as long as it's Kenosha,
0: mm-hmm. as long as it's yeah,
1: of fiery, but mostly peaceful protest, then, then we're, I'm happy in LA. But if all of LA burns down, you know, mm-hmm. then Nancy's got to move to Florida.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly it. Or even, but like they're, that's the other thing about the collapse, right? Is I don't think like the peep, the, the powers that be are not, they're not there because they're stupid. Some of them are, right? But most people are, you know, they controlled all of humanity for real reasons. And at some point they're going to just, they own crypto. Like Ted Cruz is beating his, like I, don't you think he's a lizard? He's beating his chest about crypto and stuff. Like, yeah. There's enough enough <laughs> there's enough lizards that have crypto that they're not gonna let it crash. You know, they're gonna control it, but then all their investments, like who's invest which of these big funds are invested in these companies that are going to be just like ground to the ground through this regular like no 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 well let's let's put a loophole in the wall. Like corruption's a beautiful thing sometimes, right? Because it makes sure that human interests are still there. Can you imagine a world without corruption where people with like with power just had to like do evil things and not profit from it in any way. And then no one profits from it and everything burns down I and mean, that'd be terrible. But thankfully we have some corruption and corruption. will make sure the elites always have the next big best thing. I mean, they don't have their money in fiat.
1: Yeah. <laughs> kidding? Well, and I think that like corruption has its advantages if you have a place in the corruption, right? So like mm-hmm. if we look at the crypto market today, we're somewhere North of $2 trillion. Mm-hmm. It's literally one of the biggest industries on planet Earth, right? Mm-hmm. To, to think that there aren't crypto lobbyists, it's kind of foolish, right? I mean, yeah. if it was me and I was a crypto lobbyist worth a couple billion, I think I'd just give every Congress clown like $10,000 in Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that right there would like, oh, well, I don't want to mess it up now. I own some. I would hate giving it to them, but like the greater good would be served. Or, or, and the more that they there's a couple things. One, the more they get involved and they get money and these people have money and people with money are buying crypto. We know that then that becomes yeah, something course. they want to succeed because they're vested in it. But the other thing is like, we, we always kind of mock politicians as being completely incompetent and in mm-hmm. many aspects and the most important aspects of what we expect from them, they are, but they're actually really fucking good at one thing, gaining mm-hmm. and keeping power through the electoral process. They're really good at that. And it's starting to become more and more the case that they're learning that, Hey, when, you know, one in every five Americans has some crypto and I come out and I'm pro crypto, this helps me get elected. And of course they don't keep their promises, but there's a point where there's, if you're saying you're for something, you can only go so hard against it before it hurts you.
2: I've noticed that with, there's a lot of Democrats today who are, coming out against like mask mandates and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. yeah. They just
2: realize it's over. It's done. And it just,
1: it's not winning they, for them anymore. Right. It's, it's yeah, losing.
2: And, and then you see the smart versus the, the the dumb ones fighting. Yeah. Like the Dems are yelling at each other. Like, we need to go reinstate this thing in, you know, the federal, the federal one. Oh, we need to go reinstate it. It's like, okay. But then the other, their, their colleagues are yelling at them saying, no, it's done. and, Because your colleagues know, you know which ones are getting reelected by that conversation. Of course, right? The ones that, the ones that like voted for it when it was expedient, but now they're like, you know what? We can't do this anymore. Like, you have to adopt. You have to like adapt
1: to whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. I, I think we both agree that some kind of crypto crackdown is coming. What do you think it actually looks like in practice when it happens? Because it's going to. Or would you say it's kind of like it already is in process and we're just seeing the beginnings of it at this point?
2: Um, trying to think about how, like, they're not going to get rid of it because every, just like they didn't ban the internet, they didn't ban social media, all these awesome things, they just like got in there, you know? But, I I honestly think that they're going to try to get anyone making money to read any money making thing to register as a securities provider and make them as like, you know, through registered securities offerings. I think that's the biggest thing they're going to do. They're going to try to get everyone to transact with crypto through PayPal, through Cash App, through Coinbase, through all these like. Crypto banks, let's be honest, they're, they're banks. They're basically Mm just crypto banks. And you also, your bank is going to use crypto too. And the raw crypto form cash, right? The cat, the digital cash, as it were, is still going to be around. People are still going to use it. But I think the, the powers that be would like to restrict its usage, be like, well, you know, in order, if you make a large purchase, like, $10,000 $10,000 or $1,000 or whatever it is or more, you have to KYC the person. You have to get their identity, prove who they are if they're paying with crypto, you know, and, and it's already pre-done with like banks or any bank like services. So like, yeah, it'll just be easier for you if you just do this. And of course you need to get your buddy. He sells you 15 grand car and straight for crypto. You can still do that. That's probably the yeah. way they're going to try to do it. I don't know how much they're going to succeed. In getting it that that ratcheted down now that it's like the cat's out of the bag and so many people have it and uh, like it it's at like every level of everything right now yeah um, so that's the thing is like people who I I think that the the fantasy people who say like oh crypto's gonna be banned it's gonna go away and stuff like no just at this point it's like a n- just like 99.98%. No, just your,
1: yeah, I would agree. Now I will say there's a lot of cryptos that are going to go away. There's a lot of shit coinage out there. There really is. But Mm -hmm. crypto is a thing is not going away. And I, I am, we have a question in here for you, which I already know the answer to that Mm -hmm. should even ask because you're obviously a dash guy. Are you a Bitcoin maximalist? I'm not, but I do call Mm -hmm. myself a shit coin minimalist. And in that, I kind of take like, here's crypto And then here's Bitcoin and it's its own thing. And, and and I don't have a problem with that. I I think there's a lot of alts, if you want to call them that still, Mm -hmm. uh, other forms of crypto that have real world use case scenarios. All the tech that Dash has built and the Mm -hmm. the speed of transactions and everything it's done with its, its, uh, masternodes and all. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a fundamentally useful crypto where there's a lot of cryptos that are like, there's no need for this. There's the, it's faster than Bitcoin. So, so is Litecoin. Which was like mm-hmm. the second one ever made, right? Like, so, so what? Yeah. Who cares? And let's, we're ignoring lightning now. So yeah, like, but no, it's to me, it's not going to go away. And I think that there's two ways to deal with something that government doesn't particularly like. There is the alcohol model and then there's the prohibition model, which they try with alcohol and didn't work that they use on drugs. So you have the, on the drugs that's
2: starting they, to be phased out.
1: Yeah, it's starting to be phased out even that. But like, you know, I think it's a long time before you see phasing out of like uh, prohibitions on uh methamphetamine and things like that, the hard drugs. Right. But I, maybe it will. Who knows? But so the drug model is we make all the drugs illegal. We create a massive black market, which is actually beneficial to the state because they get to use their police force and justify all the things that they can do with it. And they're not really going to do that well with drugs anyway, because drugs and I'm not talking about cannabis here and things like that I'm talking about like the I destroy your life shit right like again meth I don't see a good a good application for meth I just don't yeah. see a, see one period I guess right
2: not Hitler he seemed to like the stuff
1: yeah I mean I guess if you're 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 fueling your shock troops but like for the average person, your life will not get better if you start using meth every day. Uh, and the average person seems to feel that way. So it's not it's a particular. You have to know
2: there's a libertarian out there that's just like, I want to prove this guy wrong. I'm going to yeah. use like medicinal methamphetamine.
1: Med- medicinal meth, like, right? You know, new PR on my lift set, man. Like there's going go to be get some Adderall, man. And if you, but I'm <laughs> saying by the numbers, the average person yes. would agree meth is bad. Okay. But the average person doesn't have a problem with a beer. Like mm-hmm. I would say more than one in five people in America will have a beer or a cocktail this week right? Which is about the number of people we have that are on, you know, maybe it's more, right?
2: Yeah, It's probably like twice, three times that like, yeah. To drink. So it's pretty, cause I, you know, what, cause I know friends who don't drink and yeah. your social lives get much more stunted as a result. Like there's like the outliers. Maybe I'm just in like a, a semi-alcoholic libertarian community here, but
1: <laughs> I think there's a lot of alcoholic libertarian <laughs> communities, but so yeah, the way they handle alcohol is they have stores, IE exchanges, mm-hmm that sell alcohol, that pay the government their fair share. And if you want a bottle of vodka and you're you're not picky, you can go down to the store and buy a fifth of a vodka vodka for 11 bucks. Now, maybe Mm -hmm. if you bought it from a bootlegger who didn't want to make a profit and pay the tax, you could get it for six, about six bucks a bottle you can produce sugar shine vodka with. But the average person's like, screw it. It's, Eleven bucks, how much vodka do I need, right? So they go down to the store and they pay their five, ten, eleven bucks for, you know, their little or big size bottle of vodka and they buy their vodka. Or their six pack of miller Lite or whatever, and they go on about their way. Now there is, a, you know, Moonshiners TV show, be damned, we're not talking about that, but there is a large number of people in this country that run stills in their homes. There are people on YouTube showing stills running on their home, and the ATF's not kicking their door at. Right, I don't yeah. think it's a smart thing to do because if you get targeted for a reason, including by somebody that just doesn't like you, complaint-driven system. But yet they're not ha- like you can look up moonshine channels on YouTube if you if you doubt me here. There are plenty mm-hmm. of people that legally make things like me beer and wine, but it's illegal to sell. But they sell a case to their buddy, right? I mean, that yeah. this happens all the time.
2: Everything's a problem at scale,
1: right? Yeah, right. So a government looks at this and says. We've created an environment for alcohol that inside our system has no legal risk and is relatively easy and affordable. So the majority of people use it. And then unless there's a particular problem, we just kind of like the rest of this shit we don't have time for. We have other things to do. And I, I see that model working really well for crypto. If you want to stop smuggling into your country, you make your import tariffs low. You make import tariffs high, what do you get? You get smuggling. It happened in, you know, the pre, in the colonial times of the United States with wine and rum and all types of shit because of high importation tariffs. In Japan, it was going on when Japan first opened and Japanese government figured out if we lower the number, people will pay Mm -hmm. it and we won't have to chase this shit around. And I think that that's the, I think that's the plan for crypto heavy regulations of the off and on ramps. Make it easy. And make participating in giving the government their share in their minds easy, and then you won't have to fight it as hard.
0: Yeah,
2: I mean, that's that's the way things are going. I think that they're, in some ways, crypto is overregulated today in that, like, the, the whole capital gains on every transaction thing is just absolutely nonsense. Like, be 90% of people who use crypto are, prob I would guess, I haven't even thought of doing that, let alone are doing that. And it, they're just like the couple people who are like super compliant, whatever, like they're just using them. I think in the future there's going to be like, well, a de, a de minimis exemption, like things are going to get better on that front. Uh, I think as long as the government knows you're paying your taxes or you're paying taxes of some kind, yeah. they are going to, they're going to come up with something that, that's reasonable or would, nothing's reasonable, but you know, they're going to come up with some kind of a, a thing that the average person can, can live off of. And that's the ultimate thing, right, is everything is like a – everything is a an agreement, right? And I hate to say it, but, like, as much as the government, like, owns the world, there's a lot of consent of the governed involved, even though it's not like they would rather – it's not their top of the priority list is to be governed. But they're like, okay, look, we'll let you – We'll let you stomp on our face as long as you don't use steel-toed boots. And they're like, all right, as long as it's in a flip-flop, it's okay. All right. And then they come to an agreement. Government would rather use spiked boots, but they have to settle for a flip-flop. It's like that's kind of where we're at with this thing, where the people want to use crypto, and they will use it in a regulated way, and they will cut a check to the government. It's just what's going to happen. It's just the government's going to lose some control of the financial system. I think they're not going to be able to regulate financial products as like investments and interest bearing accounts and all those kinds of things. They're not going to be able to regulate that as tightly for as, you know, as few people as possible as they have done with fiat. And I also don't think they're going to control the the money printer anymore. The money printer is going away. They're going to have to figure out a new way of, of doing that because the money printer wasn't always a thing, Right. People had sound money. The government just had to like steal some of it or they had to like do bonds and things like that. And like, you know, they, they had to take loans out for wars. You remember those days? I mean, I yeah. don't know if we were, yeah. we were like alive back then, but like they used to, you know, buy war bonds, like
1: support the yeah. war, please. Like we did not pay for World War Two with taxes. We paid for yeah. part of it with taxes, but it was mostly funded because people thought the war was worth investing in and they bought war bonds. Exactly. Yeah. And toward the end of the war, and I I personally think it's it's a bigger reason that we dropped the bomb than Mm -hmm. what we're told. It started to become really hard. And when people say, like, the war was over, Japan would have eventually surrendered. Six, eight months, probably. Definitely. Yeah. Without a full-on... Because the invasion would have cost millions of lives on Earth. Like, you would have had to do that. You could have just isolated and crushed at that point. But... If like uh I think it was Flags of Our Fathers about the guys that were in the picture of Jima and then the one guy was sent around to do fundraising. They did a pretty good job of talking about that in that movie. That's when I investigated, it seemed pretty factual that people were like, We won the European war. Mm-hmm. There's no Japanese occupying any of our territory at all. Why are we still doing this? Yeah. Right? Like the anger and the rage of Pearl Harbor had worn off and people were like, can't we be done? Can't my son or my husband come home? Can't Man. life go back to normal? Why am I going to take the little bit of money I have? And and they were starting to get pressed, and they couldn't just print money. There was yeah. they could print well, they effectively did when they revalued gold, but then you did that once, right? And until later on, you couldn't just make more money. Somebody had to tender consideration, and it was that's why I think gold has been rightly called the governor of governments. Mm-hmm. And I think someday Bitcoin can become the governor of governments because it's actually a yeah. stronger form of money than gold.
2: Well, I mean, I don't know about world war three, but maybe world war four is going to be financed by commemorative NFTs. <laughs> like <the> go- <laughs> Sounds crazy dystopian, but let me, let me walk back. Yeah. So yeah. the government of New Hampshire sells whiskey to fund the hall of flags in the, um, the state capital of New Hampshire, there's this display, the historical display called the Hall of Flags, so a bunch of flags, okay. portraits. The maintenance of that thing is not done by taxpayer dollars. It is done entirely because the government sells bourbon in these little capital, it was little like state house shaped commemorative bottles, and people buy them, buy these commemorative this. things to finance this stuff. The government, voluntary
1: government. This.
2: Yes, and so like bonds, obviously, is like you know debt like the government's yeah. taken out a loan kind of thing. You got to pay it back. But yeah. like it, he imagines like, oh, it's time to stomp the, I mean, it's not going to be the Russians next time. who is it going to be? Maybe the Chinese. Okay. You're going to go to war with China. You're going to have some like propaganda boot on the Chinese dude's head, like commemorative spinning NFT. They're going to like sell like, and you're supporting the war effort by doing this. People are going to buy it and they're going to speculate and trade it back and forth. It's going to be like a mania. Like this is the way people are going to start, you know, moving to the next level of like financing. Cause when the the money printer's gone, people are still going to do wars. Like, it's not like, you know, the world's just going to be perfect. I mean, people are still going to kill each other. Unfortunately, I wish they wouldn't, but if the government can't get enough money from taxes, cause they say, guess what? Everyone you owe now half of your salary to us to fund the war. No one's going to do that. They're going to find ways really quick of going dark. But if you say, Hey, you know what? We're slightly raising taxes, but the big thing is we're selling you all these things and we're giving all these special perks for people who buy these special commemorative, you know, war bond NFT type things. And if you're a true patriot, you'll have them. People are going to switch their profile. I mean, they already do Ukraine flag and they didn't, there's nothing to that, right? Yeah. Like, can you imagine how easily if you get to display your badge of like, I supported the government war effort. NFT yeah. every like your compliance
1: badge, up. your social credit score booster, right? You yeah, could combine those two horrific worlds, right? Like where your social yeah. credit score goes up because you bought the mm-hmm. NFT. It's yeah, a, and the the funny that's thing scary. About, that's Black Mirror all over again, man.
2: The funny thing about that is, I think that's an improvement over the current system. Like,
1: sadly, <laughs> it is. It's like um, a, a multi-citizen participatory oligarchy.
2: Yeah, and like as much as I'm trying to be super – like as much as I'm a positive person, I think the world is great and it's getting better all the time kind of for the most part, especially my world. But I do recognize that there's going to be some dark moments in this. It's not like, oh, it's like like libertarian crazy digital cash that only – like no, governments are going to use that stuff too. Yes, they will use privacy techniques to hide their funds. Yes, they will steal. Yes, they will – like all this stuff. Yes, they will probably run like – a third of all Bitcoin miners out there, like themselves, and own a piece of that. And if anything too controversial starts coming through, they'll probably block or threaten a hard fork. They'll, they're all, you know, it's it's gonna they're gonna get involved. Like it's not gonna be a perfect world anymore. The Wild West only lasts so long, but I just think it's gonna be a better world. That's all I'm saying.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I, I, I think it's like you get to a better world by going through a worse one first. Like, there's always Mm -hmm. growing pains and transitional pains. And, like, let's say that, like, a lot of Bitcoin maxis or just crypto people would say, well, if the government made Bitcoin the reserve currency Mm -hmm. of the nation, that would be an improvement. It probably would. And you could do Mm -hmm. it. And don't think that would prevent money printing either because you can have a hard asset-backed fractional reserve banking system. As long as I can use the reserve to generate more money – Mm-hmm. right? And I can do a 10 to one or a hundred to one. And then if you were to see a day when a satoshi's worth worth penny, right? And a hundred Satoshis are a dollar. There's no reason you can't have just as many dollars in circulation as you do right now because the banks recirculate the money, right? So I take the money and then I use this and then I take that money and I use it as a new reserve and they could reboot the whole system with that. And it would look like we've gone back to something even better than a gold standard because,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, Again, you look at gold and you can say it's fixed in supply, but if the price of gold goes to $5,000 tomorrow, what is every gold mine company going to do? They're going to dig deeper, dig harder, invest in more, you know, they're going to pull more gold out of the ground and there is a finite amount of gold, but it's a lot more than 21 million ounces.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. It's a lot more than 21 million ounces. And if it goes high enough, somebody's going to figure out how to tow a fucking asteroid. Right. I mean, like, there is, there is not that completely hard cap. It's, it's an improvement over, I feel like having more money today. Push a button, but it still has the ability to be manipulated. I don't know. I like, I don't, I think anybody that says they know exactly what's going to happen should be ignored. Like, that's why when I say, I think this is going to happen or here's a thing that's likely to happen, I always couch it with, this is what will probably happen. I, I am much bigger on saying this thing probably won't happen because you can look at like, like we were saying earlier, how do they benefit by banning crypto?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, right now I don't think they do. I think what they do is they create this massive blowback. Now mm-hmm. regulating, controlling, putting it into the alcohol model, you know, prescription drug yeah. model, right? That, that lets them wet their beak like the mafia bosses. They are, I expect the government to be exactly what they are. Mm-hmm. High level, high level, very smart gangsters. That's what I expect them to do. And if I'm a gangster in this situation, I want my piece. You know, that's, yeah, that's yeah. what I want. I want my piece. I don't want it to go away. I want my piece of it. A trillion dollars. I want a piece of that every year. Two trillion dollars. I want a piece. You get it. You get to the crypto space where we have become a $10 trillion market. What government doesn't want a piece? Yeah. You know, and if they get a piece of 90% instead of a piece of a hundred percent, still a big ass piece. That that's yeah. what I think they're out to do, you know.
2: Yeah, I definitely think they're going to want a piece. And the thing is, there is a semi-democratic system. I don't know how. I mean, it's pretty. Yeah. it's not very yeah. representative, right? But no. there is a co- a competitive aspect where the um, the the government officials and branches and parties, while they're all invested in in being on the same team and keeping the system working and you know benefiting them. They are jockeying with each other for better positions on the on on the field, right? They're trying to get better positions. It's so if they're saying, like, no, I'm the Bitcoin friendly guy, if they can get up into office and stuff based on that, they definitely will, and they already are. I mean, do you think Ted Cruz gives a crap about Bitcoin? I don't think so. Not really. I just think he sees, oh well, Texas has lots of mining farms and blah blah blah. And like me in, All office,
1: right. me in power. And, yeah, he's married yeah. to a Goldman Sachs exec, for fuck's sake. I mean, come on. Like, don't. Like, he's yeah, not. The, the Yeah. And you think Goldman Sachs doesn't have any crypto? Like, yeah, I guarantee you they mean, do. Well, they went from bad-mouthing it to talking good about it pretty quick, if you notice, noticed, like, making certain buy recommendations and stuff. It was absolute garbage eight years ago mm-hmm. that only a stupid fool would touch. And now it's like, Goldman Sachs says Bitcoin could hit 100. Like, it's it's completely changed. Yeah, they do. And I think Cruz probably does care, but not for altruistic reasons. I think he probably owns it. If I was a rich senator, I would buy some Bitcoin, right? I mean, and once you own something, you know this. Once you own something, it becomes important to you. People ask me all the time, how do we better defend the Second Amendment? Find somebody that doesn't completely hate guns, but doesn't own one, help them buy their first gun, get training, and take them to the range. And you just right, got somebody but, that supports gun ownership, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. you want crypto to be stronger? Onboard your friends. Onboard them to Dash, onboard them to Bitcoin, onboard them to fucking Dogecoin. I don't care what, but yeah. get them in the door. I think, by the way, that's not a recommendation for Doge, right? But it's just, if that's what gets people, you know, my, uh, I guess you'd call him my nephew-in-law, my niece's husband, uh, bought mm-hmm. Shiba in you. Right? It's like, oh, yeah. But oh, well, wait a minute. Now you have an account. I'm now sure he's can, a great guy. Yeah, he is. He is. But I mean, it's just the hype and like, he's a, you know, he's an mo- older millennial, but a millennial. And like, you know, it's like everybody wants to make hundred X or whatever. And you buy the cheap thing because you think that can't go down anymore. It can. But my, my realization was right away like, oh, wait a minute. So that means you have an account somewhere. You used, I know you didn't use Bitcoin to buy Doge. I know you didn't do that because you don't have any Bitcoin. So you now have an account where you can buy crypto with fiat. All I need to do is teach you what a wallet is and what a non-shit coin looks like and let the system go from there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's take a few as, questions. Um,
2: as, as a addendum to that, I, a friend of, and colleague of mine, uh, he got into crypto with BitConnect. Okay. And like he lost it all because it's a huge is a literal scam. Like not yeah. even a mostly scam like SHIB, but like a yeah. total scam. But he's yeah. still here. He's still trying to live on crypto now. It's like,
1: yeah, there you go. To be fair, I don't think crypto I don't think Shib is a scam. I just think it's a total shit coin. I think it is what it is. I think it's completely open source. I think you can look at it and go, There's eight hundred gazillion of them. It's yeah, uh, what maybe scam is the right word. I don't know. I I just don't think it's um it's misleading. I just think the stupid are easily entertained. Um, and we're all stupid at times. Yeah. I've been stupid. I'm sure you have. You know, my generation, the reason we don't look as dumb as the young generation today, we didn't have digital cameras in Facebook. If we had digital cameras in Facebook in 1985, there'd be some stuff out there about people like me that you'd be like, wow, how do you live? Anyway, Michael Visas, how do we avoid capital gains and what about reporting? Uh, I think it's on you, man. What do you, what do you, what is your thoughts on that? I'm very careful when I respond to that.
2: Let me tell you this about that. Um, I do think when you're talking about doing stuff that the government will throw you in jail for that's, I'm not going to morally judge you for doing stuff that the government doesn't want you to do. Um, I might intellectually judge you if you do something dumb enough, But like mostly like, I, I don't care, but that's on you. That's your decision to figure out how or whatever. And I'm definitely not going to be an accessory in, you know, not murder, but like accessory to whatever happens that I should say about, um, I'm just going to tell you from my understanding the way things work. So whenever you buy cryptocurrency, uh, you exchange fiat currency for crypto and then the price goes up. And whenever you sell it or spend it, it's realized. And so therefore whatever gains, capital gains on that, they want whatever 40% or whatever obscene amount of that. And if it's, you hold it more than a year, it's long-term capital gains. It's a different amount. Of course, you know, that's a tax attorney would know more about that stuff. So if you get paid in it, it's technically, I guess the same thing, but does anyone know you got paid in it? And if you spend it, like, the entry points are always the fiat world, right? If you your your account stuff, it's so like. What one thing I will say is, anyone who buys their crypto on a, a exchange that has their ID and then is trying to like hide it is kind of dumb. Like it's, it's yeah. dude, you're yeah. already you're already in. You just just yeah. give up, okay? Yeah. If you're trying to be Mister like dark web Master, dude, start over somewhere. Yes, yeah. just yeah. not through there.
1: Go mine your coins or sell something for them. Don't buy the coins you want to do this with would be one thing. But I also think, like, don't do illegally that which can be done legally, right? Mm -hmm. That That's that's kind of my philosophy. If I can do something legally and get what I want, I'd rather do it legally because my risk is lower and I still got what I wanted. So there's a couple ways that we can do play this game. One is we can buy our Bitcoin in different exchanges, right, or our crypto, whatever crypto we're spending. And then we can strategically spend it when that crypto value goes down because there is first in first out, but that's a single account mm-hmm. a single exchange that, that rule applies. So I can literally say, Hey, you know what? Bitcoin just took a hit. I'm going to buy a bunch of shit that I've been waiting to buy while it's down. I'm going to take a loss. I'm immediately going to take the Fiat and replace the Bitcoin. And I'm going to do that in exchange A instead of exchange B. We can play that game. We can take the loss to our advantage. We can take the Michael Saylor approach. How about we just never pay taxes? How about we just never realize the game? How about we just stack our ass off in the best asset on the planet, which my opinion—and you may differ—but my opinion is it's Bitcoin. And then when you have you you go into kind of those retirement years, you're borrowing two percent of your Bitcoin, and you can and as long as it appreciates at the most conservative levels that you can expect, you can do that forever, and you'll die, and you'll never you'll never bring your balance down. And this is what the wealthy have done with real estate for. Ever you borrow against an appreciating asset. You don't realize the game and you roll it into a like same kind asset yeah. over time. If you have to, that's the game. And this is why when people say they're going to ban it, I don't believe they will because this is the best tool to run that scam. That's ever existed. And the people that most benefit from it are the wealthiest. So those are two yeah, ways know how to. Yeah. The other thing you can do is you can sell at a loss and buy a, a, an asset that traditionally tracks. To, to get rid of the wash rule. Cause I think they brought that in the latest regulation. So what I mean by that is there are certain cryptos that they move lockstep. So you can literally just exchange it to another crypto while it's down. And there's a 98% they track common. And now I just took a loss. So I can actually strategically take losses with crypto way easier than stocks. I can do it with stocks, but it's harder. It's more complex to take losses in stocks. Other way, Throw it in a, there's self directed IRAs and whole crypto. There's all kinds of ways around this that are legal. And I'm not saying not to avoid paying them taxes when you can. I'm saying too you, kind of max out that strategy. You don't really need to.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, you know, the, the, the reality about like that stuff is there's so much like. What was that that quote uh you know, only little people pay taxes or whatever? Yeah. It's just like yeah. Well, it's it, it's not a hundred percent true, but it, there's a lot of truth to it that the people who have influence over the system have exerted enough influence to create loopholes for people like themselves and their friends to basically not really pay very much at all. Yeah. So find that and do that because it's legal. Right? Yeah. That's probably the best thing to do. I mean, I will give <laughs> the advantage well, if, is if you can find a legal way of doing it, do it.
0: Like, yeah, yeah, sure. or at least Let's do it just,
1: first. Let that yeah. be your first play. Let's minimize the tax footprint. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, you don't even have to be big, right? Like I'm not that big. Uh, I make about twice what I made when I was employed before I started this today and I pay about mm-hmm. half the taxes and I yeah, do it girl. completely legally like everything is filed by CPA goes through everything with a fine tooth comb make sure I don't miss anything I miss there I don't do anything wrong or out, out out outside the lines we do everything above board with the business income and I pay half the tax I used to with twice the income and I don't mean proportionally I mean my bills literally half of what it used to be because I'm in a different set of rules out here than I was as an employee and and we need to start thinking that way and again I think that the, the powers that be are going to benefit from this too and they're going, they're going to protect it, but for their system. Uh, how would you suggest that existing business start taking Bitcoin or I guess crypto in general? I'd say first of all, just say you do, right? I mean, I think that's the easiest thing. Crypto accepted. Yeah. Get a wallet. Let people pay you.
2: Yeah. I mean, So I do have a video series from the the personal perspective, not the business perspective. Okay. How to live on crypto. And it did about two years ago. So not all the info is fully up to date, but I will be redoing the series this year. And also I'm in the process of like learning firsthand how to structure a business on this kind of stuff. Uh, It depends on the kind of business. First off, uh, if it's an e-commerce business, it's so much easier because all you have to do is get some sort of a WooCommerce plug in. Like coin payments is kind of the the gold standard of this. It just like Agreed. lets you take crypto. You just it's just there you go. And you can get a little plug in into your thing. And then there you go. You just take every crypto under the sun. And then I don't think they convert. So if you if you take it first off, my personal opinion is if your business in twenty twenty two, maybe not 23 or 24, but at least now you're going to get a minority, a small minority of your sales in crypto. Agreed. And you can, if you're getting into it just to get more customers, you will get some, but you're probably trying to get into this to get more crypto. In which case you don't really need to convert it. You just set up with coin payments and get a hardware wallet, like a ledger or a trezor. That's probably the best way of doing it, is those two things. If you're in an in-person business The same thing, except the thing is there's really very few good point-of-sale apps. The only one that's any good is what's used all over New Hampshire, which is AnyPay. And AnyPay is a little app you can install in your uh, iPad or a phone. If you have like a cheap Android phone, you just keep on a stand because you have an old crappy accounting system. Then I've seen most people record transactions as either cash or other in their main point-of-sale and then just open it up, put the amount, scan it, and then you go in. And that's just kind of like the simple how to take it. Now, as far as like the accounting part of it, I mean that you'd have to talk to your accountant about how to do it. The thing is your accountant is probably going to be like, no, you shouldn't do it. It makes things kind of, okay, well, listen, they work for you.
1: They're All you do to- is you bring them the dollar value of what you accepted. They don't, that transaction doesn't go down on your income as a crypto transaction. It goes down as a dollar transaction at the dollar transaction it came in at. You don't even – yeah. you don't provide any records for that. You're, you're, it's it's part of the voluntary taxation system, right? You're reporting mm-hmm. your, your your gross sales, and some mm-hmm. of them just happen to be in the form of Bitcoin. Technically, if you cut mm-hmm. my hair for me, and you're a barber, and um, I gave you some pumpkins for my pumpkin patch – We're both supposed to report that as income. Nobody does it, but we're supposed to. (laughs) But you don't put down haircut income. You put down, you know, gross sales for for, uh, Joel's haircuts, and I put down gross sales for Jack's pumpkin patch or whatever. You know, Mm -hmm. it's it's just, yeah. Yeah, of course. My thing though is, like you said, the kind of business, I think that has a huge part to do with it. If you are selling a product that has to be delivered, a thing, a widget, a device, it's different to me than selling a soft product. I sell a membership. So if I sell you a membership today, I don't have a direct cost. I don't have a bill to pay on the other side of it. So I just give you an address and you send it to me and I manually enter your shit because, like you said, it's a minority. I might do five to ten a week, right? And they take me a minute apiece to do manually. And I get to talk to the customer. I don't see it as a problem. I get to actually have... Instead of somebody that just shows up and buys my membership on my site I love how automated that is but my crypto customer and me we get to have a back and forth email conversation and I generate an, uh, 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 an address and I send it to them and then they pay me and the crypt, the thing about it right now is the crypto person is is sophisticated enough to handle that and they want to pay in crypto so they'll take that extra step they don't mind and then they kind of like hearing from you um, I think you know that that's that's one piece of it. But I think the bigger piece of it is just saying you do. And then, like, what crypto will you take? If if CoinX has it on exchange, I'll take it. Because if I don't want to hold it, I'm going to give you an address to my exchange. Mm. I'm going to flip it to what I want. And as soon as the transaction clears, I'm going to move it over to cold storage. Right? Yeah. Like that. So when somebody wants to pay me in diddly Do coin or doodah coin or, you know, douche coin or whatever the hell it is, as long as I can flip it in an no OKYC exchange or a DEX, I don't care. I'll take it.
2: Yeah. And that's a cool thing. This isn't current business advice. This is a little bit more, it's a little bit beyond that. So a friend of mine runs this company called CTX, which is the backend processor for the Dash Direct app I was telling you about earlier. Yeah. Uh, but they work very similar to AnyPay. They're, they're kind of in the process of they're still not like fully doing business, just like they have one big client right now and they're starting to expand. But they will offer a fiat conversion back end. But one of the reasons why they're they're big into the Thor chain exchange because they intend to use that back end to where wow. whatever you receive it in a decentralized fashion ends up as whatever the actual merchant wants, you know, in the back end.
1: Yeah, and that's so starting like, to happen with too, a lot of like open payments. I just watched, did you see the thing with mm-hmm. Jack Mahler's walks mm-hmm. into a store using open payments, boom, lightning node behind a tour Freaking, uh, mm-hmm. no, a lightning node on tour and pays the guy in dollars for one can of Coke. Right? Like yeah. I think that, that kind of stuff's coming, but that's, and I think it's going to become transparent to the, the merchant. They're just going to have an mm-hmm. app and they want dollars. So they'll get dollars. And I think that people are way too worried about how a thing works unless you're going to be a coder or building tech. I don't know that you need to know. I have a smartphone. I'm sure you do too. I know how to use it. I don't know how it works. I couldn't lay one line of code down for an iPhone app. If, if somebody said, here's $10,000, now I could give me a day and I'll probably be able to write a simple one because it's worth the 10 grand. But if you just said right now, do it, I don't know how it works, but I know how to use it. And I think that's going to come. Um, on that dash payment thing you were talking about at the beginning, somebody with the credit card, how would a merchant mm-hmm. process a refund?
2: I've not hit that point yet. Um, yeah. I Guess the way that a merchant process the refund is the same as with any prepaid card. I think Got that it. if you process a refund, they just like
1: goes back to recredit, that
2: card number, recredit it, you know, to to account. I think that's how it works. I'm not super familiar with how cards work because I haven't really used one very much in the last, you know. <laughs> Half decade. So that's just the name of my podcast, channel, show,
1: et cetera. Let me say that out loud the questions because people on the yes. audio won't have any oh, idea right. what it is, right? Yeah. So K-Bong right. says, is Digital Cash Network a product or documenting the advances in the technology?
2: Is it a fruit or is it a vegetable? Yeah. Um, no, it is, it is my show and podcast and
1: stuff. All right. So um, that's not really for us. That was... Mistake. Uh, Chase, says, are you a Bitcoin maximalist? I don't think either of us are. I, no. I, I feel like I'm closer than you are.
2: I, I am, I would say I'm like i I'm a utility maximist, maximalist, meaning I use what works and there you go. And so like yeah. I can't think of a single coin I have that I don't use and I can't think of a single coin I talk about in a positive way that I don't use. Gotcha. It just literally based on usage. It's like people you know, get, get after me, dash shill and stuff. Well, it just, it's just what works the best for my everyday money. I, I don't like. I can use Bitcoin Cash for a lot of the stuff, like seventy percent. But then there's a thirty percent of stuff that just works better. I have Monero. I have had Zcash. Um, I can use Monero here and there. I can use Zcash fewer places. I would. I just. I can't. Like it's not useful right now. I use the library token a lot because I. Put on stuff on Odyssey and everything. I like interact with that all the time. yep like yep. I, I am, I guess, a fan of Ethereum to a certain extent, but I'm not really a user because ain't nobody got time for those fees. Like yeah. I just can't. I can't. Like oh, it's going to the moon, okay? But I can't.
1: I would love to shit talk Ethereum, but yeah. when it first showed up on Coinbase, it was like 97 mm-hmm. cents. Mm-hmm. And I bought a bunch of it and it's done so well for me. I just can't talk shit about it. That, I mean, that's the only reason that I can't talk shit about it because I bought it under a dollar and it's hard to, to see that kind of growth in an asset and then talk shit about it. But from a functional standpoint, it's a damn mess. It really is. Mm-hmm. And I hate the one address. I think that is yeah. dumb. It's dumb. And, and everything is crypto snake has one address and now they're moving there as well. It's a different discussion, but yeah.
2: Yeah, the cap-based thing makes a lot of things simpler, but as far as like money, I don't think you should be doing that. I yeah. Just,
1: you know. Well, that's the other thing on this original question. Are, are you a maximalist? So first of all, I really like the term that Robert Breedlove uses, who is all Bitcoin and nothing else, but so freedom maximum. maximalist, yes. right? Freedom. <laughs> that's what I am a maximalist for is freedom. And that well, means if you want to use douche that's your choice. Like I don't, I don't have any toxic animosity towards somebody else's choice in crypto. Um, and then some, Coins do things better than others. They just do. Like, Mm -hmm. I actually, this is why I say Bitcoin is its own thing. I see Bitcoin as money, and all the rest I see is either a technology or a currency. And I don't think money and currency are the same thing. People disagree with that, but to me, money is the underlying wealth, and the currency is the mechanism. So we can exchange money, but currency is more set up and more ideal for day-to-day settlement and exchange. And money yeah. is better as a reserve. And I, that's, that's where I kind of draw the line between the two, which means everybody oh, hates yeah. me. All, all the shit coiners hate me, and all the maxis hate me. So join the club, get in line. There's meetings. They have cake and ice cream at the meetings.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, to a certain extent, like, there's difference between money and a trade clearing mechanism. Like with gold coins, the money is the gold, and the trade clearing mechanism is the coinage that tells you exactly how much it is you can trade. Yeah. And a lot of times like, I don't know. I think that also money, we don't really understand money because we understand what money used to be, but money is just a, an information technology for expressing value, what we collectively value. And I think that money captures like today, like 10 to 30% of the value out there. Like there's a lot of stuff people value, but don't have a good like technology for communicating that. I think with, the full spectrum of crypto, we're going to get a much higher percentage. But so anyway, that's just, <laughs> that's a long thing. So isn't our system now really digital? Not just not transparent as blockchain based system. Yeah. It's mostly pretty digital. I mean, that's the big thing about when people say about like the digital dollar, like the only thing that's weird about the only thing that would change with like a, a US CBDC probably unless they just want to reissue an entire thing and just so they can cut the zeros off. Like every dictator's done in their failing currency country. Uh, Other than that, they're just going to unite the payment rails because like right now you got to use Swift, you got to use a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Bank to bank. What check with your bank provider. I think what they're trying to do is just make it like the fed, the fed does everything. Yeah. And which is so much more efficient, but also pretty scary because Right now, if you're if you're a naughty boy, the government finds your bank and tells them you got to shut them down. But imagine yeah. if the Fed can just shut it off at the source. They're just looking at your like transactions. Like, ah, no, I don't like this guy. That's kind of what it is.
1: So yeah, and on this I point, this is the questions. This is where like when people say, well, you know, crypto is a surveillance tool or whatever. What do you think your bank is? Mm-hmm. Right. What do you think your bank is? Do you think that like all these people that say that they all have bank accounts, they all pay with checks and credit cards? And, and, and automatic draft out of their check and have direct deposit in from their employers. Literally every transaction they made is actually far more traceable Mm. than a Bitcoin transaction, right? Because you know, it's theirs because it's their bank account with their social security number and their paycheck and their money and their electric bill and their, their, you know, their car payment or whatever. Um, yeah, I just think that like it, we are already digital. I think when I looked it up. Over 10 years ago, the amount of the M3 that is representative in actual cash and coin is somewhere in the neighborhood of 2%. So the M3 is all the money. It's the money in bank accounts. It's the money in some little old lady's drawer. It's the money that one company owes another company. It's the money in your bank account. It's the money in the Rothschild's bunny market account that they use to put fuel in their jet, right? It's all the money. And only two percent of that number was backed by, you know, actual paper notes ten years ago. I can't imagine that this, you know, four trillion they printed in the last two years or whatever, six trillion, uh, that there was much paper cut against that. Like, so I think it's probably well under two percent anyway. So yeah, I think he's right. It is already digital. It's just what kind of digital and who controls it.
2: Yeah, decentralized digital is what we're looking for.
1: Yeah, yeah. So. Um, You want to tell folks how they can learn more about you? I don't think you have a website. You have like a YouTube channel and a bunch of social media stuff going on.
2: Yeah. So look up Digital Cash Network on YouTube, on Odyssey, on Spotify, on all the other good stuff. You know, that's how you find about the show. Me personally, I go by the Desert Links. Is in Desert is in Warm Place. Links is in Kitty Cat. That's on Twitter. That's where I do most of my shit posting, as it were. Or just look me up by my name. And so, yeah, there you go. That's the best
1: way. Awesome. Well, hey, I appreciate it, and uh, thanks for being with us today, Joel. If you want to come back at some point and talk more in the future, this is a great discussion. I seldom have a guest on for two hours. It doesn't happen often, okay. so that means it was an interesting discussion. It must have um, been the lizard people are people too joke that just – Yeah, I think – I, I, I have a call out for somebody to make a T-shirt out of that. I really do. I yeah. think it's a T-shirt moment on the show. Um, Definitely. I'll buy one. You take crypto, I'll buy one. <laughs> All right, so, uh, I have your YouTube, your Twitter, your, your other YouTube, uh, I have your Odyssey, your Float, and your MeWe all here. And, uh, no one can read that, but I will make sure it is in the notes of the show. Uh, when that goes out, mm-hmm. that, for those watching the live feed, that'll go out about an hour from now. Joel, thank you for being with us today.
2: Yeah, thanks very much for
1: having me.